I'm here with Laura Bingham. We've just done our photo shoot. We've been out at Rutland Water, trying not to get blown away. And Laura is an explorer, uh, adventurer. Um, don't know what else to describe you as really. Well, mother. Do you mother. No, that's an, an adventurer. Devoted wife. Well, of course, of course. Uh, so yeah, so uh, tell us a bit about what you do, why you do it, what, um, how did you get started, I suppose? Uh, well, when I was 18, I, I had the option to go to university or to take sort of a gap year and the prospect of studying for a little bit longer yeah. terrified me. I knew I just wasn't in the right mental frame for it. So you just finished school? Yeah, just um, finished school at 18. Enough, a yeah. break. Okay. So I went to Greece to work, yeah. I worked as a cocktail waitress and then I went to Brussels, worked in a pub and then I just sort of, my adventures got bigger and bigger and bolder until I was in Mexico doing Jaguar yeah. conservation for the government um, and teaching English as a foreign language. How did you end up doing Jaguar conservation? Right. How did that Basically, I used to cycle into Guadalajara, which is where I used to live. Yeah, um, as you do. <laughs> and it was literally like, I was just on the outskirts. It's oh. sort of a university town in Mexico. And I used to cycle past this um, coffee shop. And then I'm, the person that I lived with, Libby, she was like, go into the coffee shop. Oscar, who owns it, is amazing. Um, yeah. So I went into this coffee shop and just became really good friends with Oscar, who owned the coffee shop. He was helping me learn Spanish and he taught me chess. and. I just spent most Amazing. afternoons in this coffee shop and he, after a couple of months, was like, I run this government program as well as having this coffee shop. Wow, so he ran a coffee shop, ran a government program. Yeah, like was, Jaguars. Yeah. Um, so he was like, do you want to come with me? And I was like, yeah. ah, stupid question. Of course I do. And yeah. um, so I went with him and it was just basically going around asking loads of farmers if they'd seen jaguars and if they had where they'd seen them trying to get a sort of a location as to where their tracks were um setting up cameras and then once we'd found where the jaguars are like vets would come in tranquilize them put trackers in them so that then are they a threatened species in, in yeah Mexico? they are most people don't know like the jaguar in mexico i don't think um but they were sort of near the west coast-ish and so then the company would then track the jaguars and then liaise with the farmers to make sure that they yeah. didn't put their cattle where the jaguars were so they could sort of live harmoniously okay. a bit more okay so the farmers clearly saw them as a pest beforehand yes. okay. and they'd shoot them yeah um which is why they're sort of under threat or so they do a similar thing with elephants in india don't they they because elephants mm. are notorious for coming in and trampling people's crops, crops and, and yeah. stuff so they they're trying to develop systems where farmers can track the elephants, know what to do to keep them away, that kind of thing, rather than just going out and shooting yeah. them. So. I guess the good thing about having livestock is that you can just move them to a different field yeah, or to a absolutely. different area, whereas crops, you can't really move no. the whole field of crops, <laughs> no, can absolutely. you? Oh, cool. Yeah, so then after that, I didn't really have enough money to get home, so then I sailed across okay. the Atlantic to get home. Um, uh, just like that, you just... Spent four hours on the internet trying to find a boat that I could okay. hop onto, and then I found a site called Crew Bay, which is basically is people with vo with boats advertising voyages and then people needing a voyage somewhere. Okay. Um, so I found one that went from Orlando to England and then I flew up to Orlando and then sailed back to the UK. So that's incredible. So it was just out of necessity you ended up sailing across mm, the Atlantic. Yeah, because the exchange rate, the money that I was earning in Mexico, yeah. just didn't. I spent four months saving as hard as I could. So when was this? What year was this? About four years ago. Okay. About, right. So about 2004, 13, about 2013. Yeah, because the economy down there has been 
struggling, hasn't it? Yeah. So I spent four months saving my bum off, or if that's the phrase. Uh, and I still couldn't afford a flight home. And I said wow. to my mum, I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna sail back, that's my plan. She was like, no, I'll buy a flight. And I was like, no, I've decided now. I wanna sail back, cool. I found a boat. <laughs> um, and got to this boat. What kind of boat was it? A trimaran, 38 foot trimaran. Oh, so it wasn't like a trawler or a fishing boat or something like no. that? No. It was a pretty luxurious. No. No? No. This was like a real patch it back together jobby. It was a- Oh, really? Yeah, um, I'll show you photos if I can find them, but it was a, it, like I had to move into the main cabin because I had my own cabin, but it was yeah. sort of a crawl into cabin. Cool. And then one night I just got soaked because the waves were so high that they just kept coming into the so hatch. So you couldn't close the hatch? No, no, no. Okay, it just sort wow. of shut and that was it. Yeah. Um, so we not kind of did not take one look at this thing and go, no, forget it. No, I'm one of those annoying people that's, that when I say I'm going to do something, yeah. I just have to do it and I don't want to lose face. So if I've said I'm going to do this, I have to. So do you, you weren't at all scared when you saw this thing sort of held together with gaffer tape and. Um, not too much because I no. was like, eh, he sailed across the Atlantic yeah, before. The it must be fine. The okay. only time I was really scared is when we were in the middle of a storm. Yeah. And I was like, please don't die, please don't die. Especially yeah. because we sailed past the exact same sort of trimaran that was flipped over. That's so reassuring, like, isn't it? Okay, I was like, yes, okay, they, they flip then. In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, we just see this other trimaran upside down. It's, oh, my God. And I also, um, one day it was all becalmed, so we went swimming in the ocean and nice. sort of tied ropes around us in case the boat flew off. And about three days later, I was just sat looking out at the ocean and this shark just swam past. And I was like, huh, maybe I would be swimming in the ocean again. <laughs> it's great, because one of the questions I was going to ask you in a bit after we got on to your next adventure was mm-hmm. how do you overcome the fear before you set off on these things but it seems to be that you have the fear when it's already too late um, so you know you've already committed yourself to going on this thing that's held together with yeah. tape and whatever so it's already it's too late you know and then you go swimming and then you see the sharks in which case it's yeah you know, too late um and also on the cycling trip because I clearly, I love my husband. And so I this love was the trip where you cycled across South, South America. America with no money. Yeah. Um, Relying on the goodwill of just, strangers yeah. and everything and what I could find and my okay. sort of resourcefulness. Yeah. Um, literally before, about a week before I left, I just, I cried my eyes out and I said to Ed, my husband, I was like, it feels like I'm being sent away for something that I've done wrong. It feels like I'm being punished. Even I'm though you've so, chosen to do that. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm so scared. I yeah. really don't want to go. I'm so scared. And I cried my heart out on the plane over. I cried was loads. Was that just you were already missing home? Mm. Or were you scared that like you might get like killed or eaten by wild animals or something like that? I was. So you were terrified? Yeah. So what? what made you carry on anyway whereas you might have said actually i'm too scared i'm gonna go home the feeling of cutting my nose off to spite my face (laughs) the whole i've said i'm gonna do it so i'm gonna do it yeah and you don't grow unless you push yourself you know you've got your walls around you of fear and comfort yeah and unless you confront them and sort of face them head on and push them, they don't, your walls don't ever grow. But how do you know where to draw the line? Because surely there are some things where your fear is there for a reason, so. Mm. But it's you, life-threatening, you, yeah. Yeah, so you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, I'm gonna go straight into a war zone without researching it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you, you know, you have to know whether, there, there's gotta be, when, when you set off to cycle across South America, you must have known there was relative safety. Mm. 
and whether that was through your planning or mm -hmm. whatever so I even though you were scared you kind of you wouldn't have done it unless you knew you could yeah get through it um, reasonably well with an expedition or anything you have to sort of look at all the risks mitigate as many risks as you can and then assess yeah. whether it's still worth doing or not there's always okay. going to be a mental um, hardship, a physical hardship with any challenge, otherwise yeah. it's not a challenge. But you have to determine whether the risks far outweigh um, the challenge. And I wanted to go, there's been a few expeditions that I wanted to do yeah. where at this current time, um, the risks are too high and I can't mitigate them. So I've just said, Okay, we'll pause that one until. So they it's could safer. happen in, yeah. in the future. Yeah, okay. it just it depends on political situations, yeah. on on various different things. Whereas the my up and coming expedition, which is well, describe that one for us. It for, is uh, secret until the first of December. Where oh, is it really? So we're can't announcing talk about it, just it on yet. the first of December. Okay, that's it cool. is a canoeing trip. Yeah. That will last two months. Fantastic. Um, and it will be a world first. No man or woman has ever gone. From source to sea. So if someone has never done, or it's never been done before, mm -hmm. how far can you really mitigate the risks? Um, if because it's, if it's that unknown. Canoeing yeah. is a known thing. The mm -hmm. river has been done in sections, okay. except this sort of 300 kilometre patch, which hasn't, has been done in the last, the upper region of the river was done in 1969 by a chap and it's sort of a very baseline RGS study yeah. um, but there are applications called sort of terra server which allow you to zoom in so and really look at the features and yeah like and we've okay. got maps coming from this country from do you consult with kind of advisors and specialists locally and that yeah kind of and you've just got to make sure your skill set is is good enough that you can tackle any challenges and okay. if a challenge arises on a trip you can yeah. be humble enough to go this isn't worth it let's get out like either portage or go around this so for example like walking the nile yeah. we did the whole thing but come south sudan it was the risk was too high so you walked the nile no no, no levison no. wood oh okay so he yeah. walked the nile but yeah like south sudan was too dangerous so he had yeah. to go around it he couldn't okay. walk it and um so then he didn't end up actually walking yeah the nile. fair enough but it's and always, yeah. physically, presumably you're, you're going to be canoeing for two months. Yes. Daily, day yeah. in, day out, seven days a week. Uh, yeah, we generally go for, yeah, five days on, okay. one day off. And, and you've been training for this? You've been sort of canoeing on rivers and that kind of yeah. stuff? Yeah, we've been doing sort of whitewater rafting courses yeah. and we've got a few training trips with the group together in December and January so to make sure. So there's a group of you going, so you have a yes. supporters? Yes, myself, Ness Knight and Pip Stewart, okay. three women. Fantastic. Um, so, you know, female power, woman yeah, power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've been sort of really focusing on getting our skill sets high enough, but we know where yeah. our level is. So if a sort of rapid or waterfall or any sort of feature in the river yeah we sort of get to it and we don't feel comfortable it sort of just get out and portage it doesn't matter if it's going to take us four days day. longer yeah. it doesn't matter safety comes first fantastic so um, you, so you never feel because you'll have sponsorship and all this kind of stuff you never feel under too much pressure from those influences to do no. something you wouldn't feel safe doing because they're 
primary concern, they don't want any bad publicity. Yeah, of course. And us mm. wearing their brand, involved with their brand, and, and dying on an smashed on the rocks. Yeah, would be bad publicity for them. <laughs> yeah. So I know sponsors would much prefer us to make sure we complete it safely yeah. than possibly die in doing something risky. Covered in their logos and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we've kind of jumped ahead a bit. So we were at uh, you doing Jaguar mm-hmm. Conservancy in uh, South America, Mexico. Yeah. Um, you enjoyed that. You got a, you got a boat home. Mm-hmm. What happened after that? After your mum tearfully welcomed you back on the <laughs> jetty. I was silly because I got to the Azores and I had this whole stream of texts from her going, "Are you dead?" I'm like, if I was dead, I wouldn't be able to answer. Yeah, exactly. able to answer so she this. must have been going out of her yeah. mind, you know. Well, because they also at that at that time four people went missing on the atlantic ocean okay so she was like is that you is that the boat you're in i'm oh, like what God. surely texting me isn't going to actually like yeah. if i'm dead I'm, i can't reply so oh, she must um, have been beside herself with yeah. terror after that she realized there was no point in saying anything okay. ever more because i'd still be doing it regardless yeah. of what she thought so by cycling trip she didn't bat an eyelid she was like there's nothing i can say so you got back across the atlantic mm-hmm. on this rickety cat, uh, trimaran mm-hmm we're not just tempted to get, you know, go into, go to university, go into your career now and you know, no. get a job somewhere in an office. Not in the slightest. Why? <laughs> because what? I came back and I was 21 and yeah. I'd done so many different jobs throughout sort of the four years that I'd been, tra- three years that I'd been traveling. So this was to pay for your travels basically. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'd go to a country, work until I had enough money to then move on to the next country, yeah. work, move on uh, for about three years on and off. And then... I got home when I was 21 and I thought, okay, well, I'm 21 now, it's career time. I've got to start really thinking about the future. What do I want? And I thought about all the jobs that I'd done and none of them had excited me enough that I'd stay in them for more than four months. Uh, And I thought, well, what's the one thing I really enjoy doing? It's traveling. Okay, well, I've got to do something to do with traveling. How am I going to home in on this? And then I wanted to cycle around the world and hold the record for that. But then I thought, I the stories along the way excite me more. And if I'm yeah. speed recording, trying to get a speed record. miss all of that. Yeah, I won't be able to experience anything. I'd just be racing across. So, so I mean, then, going back to what you said about what do I enjoy? What do mm-hmm. I, you know, what am I passionate about? There are some people who spend their whole lives working mm-hmm. and are never passionate about anything they do. Could you, I mean, th- there's that kind of decision, I'm gonna do something that doesn't excite me, but mm-hmm. the trade-off is I get a salary and I can mm-hmm. then do the things at the weekend and have the life you know yeah. were you not tempted to go down that kind of much more straightforward route no i'm all or nothing it yeah. was either make it at this or live in a beach shack on a beach in the caribbean yeah making potatoes or or doing something there was okay i never yeah. really have a plan b and i'm quite a either end of the spectrums kind of person so you think it's important to be passionate about what you do yeah yeah, yeah. and be happy yeah. you know and i always think you'll make it work okay. you know you're not gonna, someone's not gonna push you into the ocean and you're gonna go, oh, I don't really fancy swimming, I'm just gonna just yeah. gonna drown. You know, you get in water and you automatically start swimming. Yeah. If you take a plunge into something, you'll, um, you'll oh. automatically make, yeah, you'll make it work. Yeah. We're programmed to survive. Um, and okay, it might be really rough for a while and you might have to live on a smaller means for a while yeah. until you really make it work. But unless you take a leap of faith and really go for something with your whole heart. How important is it, do you think, to have that faith that you will make it work, that kind of 
faith in yourself that you will get through it and you will come out the other end and it will be fine. Vital, otherwise, otherwise yeah. you'll fail. Because I think a lot of people don't have that. I think you doubt of, yourself. Yeah. No. But I, I think this is why most people have these kind of lofty dreams but never even start try. off down the road to try mm. them. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? Yeah. And if Where do you think you get that from? Do you think it's from your experience of travelling or do you think it's... Yeah. Um, do you think your parents brought you up that way or...? It, the family history in my life has had sort of a bumpy start yeah. and I've been quite resilient because of it, okay. um, which is why I sort of really started traveling in the first place, more of a, a runaway, find myself. I didn't like England. Because some people that could wear them down mm. and they would lose the faith in themselves. Yeah. Whereas you've come out stronger, I guess, with and much more resilience and like, I can do anything. Yeah. You know. That might be just how we were born. That like, could just be our makeup, our DNA. Yeah, maybe. Um, the, the whole nature-nurture side of things. And maybe I'm just very lucky that I got a very resilient gene in me that was maybe. defiant. Yeah. Um, but I think you've just got to go for it and believe in like, yeah. Okay. Like, I, I suppose you have, sorry to interrupt, okay. but I suppose you have as well. You've got experience where you have been in a situation mm -hmm. and you have got yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you've found yourself a, a rickety old boat that will take you across the Atlantic and get yeah. you home in one piece. You know, you've, you've got a proven track record with yourself. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I've, I've, been in, I've been in South America, I've been broke, but I've managed to get home. Yeah. You know, I've been in tricky yeah. places and, and I've made it out. Like when, time. before I sailed, I got to Orlando and I got on a train and I had no idea how I was going to get from that train to where the boat was. I yeah. had no idea about where the boat was. I knew what dock it was at, but I had no money. Yeah. I just hit the mic. I had no money at all. I had no spare money to get from the train station to the boat, and I didn't know how far that boat was. Um, but I was like, I'll get to the train station and then I'll figure it out. Yeah. And um, whilst talking to everyone on the train, I was like, how do I get to this station? Please, someone yeah. can, someone help me. Can someone give me a lift? Can anything, you know? And this little old lady was like, my my daughter will be waiting outside the station with a balloon i bet you and i will make her take you you know okay if you insist i came off this train with this yeah. little old lady and she went this little girl she needs a lift to this station and the daughter was like no there's not enough room in the car especially with her luggage as yeah. well as you know there's just no room and she was like you're going to take her <laughs> and um and then her husband was it was like i've been traveling we'll we'll make it work yeah, and then um, they round me in with my bags and then they took me to their house. I had supper with them. They cooked this amazing barbecue. Yeah. And then the husband was saying how he went traveling when he was a kid and loads of people helped him out when he thought he was about to die or it was the bitter end. And then he took me to a shop, um, gave me $50 and bought loads of like provisions for me for the boat oh, and then wonderful. took me to the dockyard and dropped me off. It reminds me a little bit of the, uh, is it the Camino del Santiago, which is the, the big spiritual walk across Europe. Okay. So it goes back hundreds of years but um, there are routes that come from France from England from all across mm. the, it's a pilgrimage route mm. and uh, they meet up in Spain yeah and it, I think it's a 700 mile walk or something it ends up in wow. um, I forget where it ends up but it's um, and you're basically walking just walking and if you do it on a certain time of year yeah um, you meet up with other people who are doing it I've got a friend of mine he did it he was out for 
three or four weeks walking, not not religious at all. Yeah. But he was saying it was amazing. You get taken into people's homes, they mm. feed you, you know, you, meet, you make new friends. They they've got plasters for your blisters on your feet and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Human kindness is incredible, and that was sort of the basis of. So this inspired your last expedition, just to prove because I loved South America, I loved Mexico, yeah. and I. I went when so you I never felt Mexico. scared at the prospect of people not being kind to you? Yeah, you know, there's always fear there. And in those situations, you listen to that fear because, you know, you're feeling nervous and on edge for a reason. Yeah, okay. So when I'm in an expedition, like if I put out my tent somewhere and I get the heebie-jeebies, then I'm like, well, just move. We'll move camp okay. to someone that I don't feel... Were you on your own? So you, you were travelling across South America by uh, bike? I was only on my own for about two weeks. Okay. But uh, you, were, you had no money and you were relying on the kindness of others to get you from one side of the country to the other. Yeah. Um, also rummaging through bins and okay. finding food, finding food on the side of the road. South America's got this amazing culture where they just throw f- stuff out their window, including oh, wow. rubbish and stuff. So I found so much food on the side of the road. I found a, tin, a, a box of 64 cans of tuna. Wow. And that was my protein source, albeit it did look like cat food. So yeah, it had like bones in it as well. So this is an exercise in survival, really. A bit, yeah. And going into restaurants and seeing if they have any scrap food that people have left off their plates and, and eating they leftover like, food. Yeah, help yourself. Mm, yeah. Like if there's food going for the bin, they're like, yeah, eat it. And a lot of the time Do they, they would... not kind of look at you like, oh, yeah. Who is this crazy lady? Oh, yeah. 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 Going like, to the bins and eating our rubbish. And what's crazy is that you, um, I feel sorry for men that have to go into clubs or go places and ask women for their number or ask women if they're interested because it doesn't matter how many times you get rejected, it still hurts. And then you build up a fear of rejection. And I think it's really sad that a lot of um, cultures and everything just expect men to do all of the going and asking because it's really scary. Yeah, yeah. And going like into shops and... Even scarier for you, I mean... mm, And going into shops and restaurants and putting yourself out there and being rejected, being rejected and... Um, and then also being hungry and tired and, and everything else. It's, so um, how hungry do you have to get before you eat out of the bins? Not very hungry. And did you know that this was going to be part of the yeah. exercise? Yeah. So you were prepared for having to eat mouldy bread? and. Uh, never ate mouldy bread. Ate stale bread. Went into a, a bread shop, hadn't eaten for about 24 hours and burst into tears. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> as much bread as you want. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, he gave me like a bag of stale bread and then um, I like cried profusely again. So he was like, oh, okay, here's another yeah. bag of stale bread that's, you know, for the bin. And I was like, oh my God. And then he gave me a um, a carton of apple juice and I was like, oh, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and he was like, okay, no, no, seriously, that is enough. Go away. And yeah, stop like, crying at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can't just keep crying and getting stuff. So um, did you ever think, oh, that's a tactic that works? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it works more on men than women. Yeah, of course, because they they've kind of like are not falling for you. Yeah, we were yeah. like, I do that trick yeah, too. Don't got, you try it? On I me. got out of a parking ticket yeah. doing that. Yeah, Whereas men are like, I will do anything to stop you from crying. Yeah, just make it stop. <laughs> yeah, it's really awkward. Stop. Um, which wow. works well with my husband too. Yeah, okay, cool. Except with my husband, all I have to do is put the bottom lip out now, and he's like, ah, ah, what just, do you want? Yes, have whatever you want. Yeah, gets his <laughs> checkbook out. And yeah, like, forget it. Oh, Shut no. up. And it's um, it's funny because he knows. He's like, I know yeah. you're putting the bottom lip out to to get it, but still, I it can't resist. Anyway. Yeah, I think my wife has techniques like that as well. Yeah, she's amazing at changing the subject. Whenever I've got a a problem with her, she will like just like deflect, <laughs> and suddenly I'll, I'll just have forgotten what it, whatever it was I was going to talk about. It's amazing. I'll try that one. Yeah, it's it's great. 
<laughs> but of course, Ed, your husband, is also an explorer. Yes, he, yeah. Um, slightly more experienced one than me, says yeah. wrinkles, but. <laughs> Fantastic. So, I mean, you, you must rub off on each other and encourage each other, or does he ever sort of say to you, no, don't do it, don't do it? Well, what's funny yeah. is where he's sort of slightly older now, he's becoming more safety conscious. Yeah. So even though he like walked the Amazon and did all these crazy things, he's now really focusing on risk, and he's like, Laura, have you thought about the yeah. risks? What about the risk for this? But I suppose because it's Ed Stafford, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A, he's um, in TV now. Doing, yes. doing kind of adventure type stuff on the Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. And he's probably surrounded by people who are all about risk assessments, you know, yeah, insurance, all this kind of stuff, you know, and he's probably suddenly really aware of what could happen if you trip over, you know, a yeah. log or something like that. And know. I think he's just getting to that phase of life, maybe. I'm yeah, still in maybe. this sort of beat my chest phase of life, trying yeah, to prove innocent, myself. Yeah, innocent, naive, and, and just like... And know, just trying to prove what, what I can do. So yeah. I'm like, look, I'm a woman, but I can still do it. I may be 24, but I can still do it. And um, whereas he's a bit more like, oh, I've done it all. It's yeah. fine. I'm ready to, I've proven myself. I don't need to do anything else. That's fair enough. Um, yeah. So he's on to the next thing now. I'll get there eventually. So when you were rummaging through bins and you were, how long did it take you to get across South America? Uh, five months cycling, but so I was out there for six months. You were out there for six months, uh-huh. basically living off whatever you could scrounge and mm, work. Sometimes a lot okay. of the time I worked for food as well. So I'd, um, I went in and helped a lady with her restaurant and stuff for about two days, and she and, gave me a load of food. And you'd planned the, you planned your route, you'd planned the whole thing, Pretty much. and you knew this was going to be. It's, I mean, it sounds awful, basically. Mm. Did you ever think, oh, why did I do this? What is the Every single day. And, but you kept going anyway. Yeah, because yeah. I said I was going to do it. So what do you think gives you that momentum to keep going when... I mean, I, I know you said I've got a safe face, but mm. it, surely it can't just be about... Uh, I don't want to embarrass myself by going back early. And it can't be as simple as that. Well, it's the worst feeling when you go to the pub after or something and they go... Oh, but you tried. Oh, you did. Oh, you only you did you four tried. months. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like, the full five months. I did not try. I succeeded. Yeah. Okay. And and there's also that feeling of accomplishment when you get to the end as well, and you yeah. come back and you're like, I did it. I went through I, all the shit. I've been and through I came hell. Out. Yeah. yeah. And like just that resilience, that pers- persistence. Um, I what I say is the the difference between those that make it and those that don't is persistence yeah. or yeah. perseverance. Sorry. Well, I mean, there's perseverance, but even the people who don't make it, they must think they've got the perseverance to keep going through it. But there must come, I mean, you must have like a pain threshold or something like that, that is extremely high Unless compared to others. I've broken my leg and it's physically not possible to keep going. Yeah. I'll keep going. Unless I've got like a life-threatening illness that is preventing me, then I'll come back and then wait until I'm better and then I'll go back out and finish it. But. So it would literally have to be a broken leg or something like that to stop you. Mm. You would quite happily just keep going through hell. Like Winston Churchill said, wasn't it? If you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah, because you'll get to the other side. But I mean, it's all very well saying that while you're already in hell. But if you, if this is before you're, you know, you know you've got hell coming, but you're not there yet. Mm. Maybe you wouldn't necessarily decide to go through it in the first place. Yeah, because... The lower the low, the higher the high. So okay. if you've just gone through hell, the as soon as you come out and the sun yeah. shines again, that sun is ten times more magnificent, yeah. more brighter, more warmer than it was before you went through hell. And the appreciation that you have after you come out of hell 
is magnified tenfold yeah. and that's what I crave and I, and I love. So the first two months of the expedition were so hard but I'm so thankful I went through it because the last month, like when I went through Argentina yeah. and Paraguay, they were amazing. I was telling people to stop giving me food because I had too much food and people oh, were fantastic. just welcoming, welcoming me in left, right and centre. Had they heard you were coming or something no, like that? No, it was oh. just the change in culture and wow. if I'd given up in Ecuador and come home, yeah. I would have this really awful feeling in my head of, of people, of humanity, of, of everything bad. But because I persevered, yeah. I got to this beautiful phase and finished the expedition on such a high. Yeah. Um, and I came home feeling great about life. So if you And about people. And yeah. About, if yeah. you quit in hell, all you're going to remember is hell. But if you sort of keep going yeah. through hell, you get to the other side, you realise how beautiful the world is. Do you think it's a kind of self-imposed punishment? You know how some people, they lash themselves with thorny branches Quite and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's like, I must suffer now to yeah. enjoy life later. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit masochistic, is it? Sadomasochistic? Not sure. It's one of those things. Yeah. But do you think it's a bit kind of... Yeah. You've got to screw loose, maybe. Yeah, quite yeah. possibly. That's to put yourself through. You know, my family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd, um, you'd agree with that one. And you think Ed has the same? Yeah, screw loose? I used I used to have um, I used to have sort of more eating disorder type things okay. when I was much younger, and that was like a self punishment thing. And it it was I was in a very very dark place when yeah. before I went travelling. So travelling and giving myself healthier challenges yeah. or healthier punishments or something is just a much better way for me to so in a way it's kind of a it's it's almost like a, a simile for what you went through before but it's yeah. much healthier the highs and the mm. lows yeah and you know what's coming and you know that yeah. you're going to get through it yeah and i'm i'm growing as a person as well and i'm learning more about myself more about the cultures around me and, yeah. and life around me and having more of an appreciation for life around me um, and it's, I think it's a much healthier addiction to have adventure and exploration than yeah. and then, than um, some other sort of addiction type things. Do you think if you'd done the same experiment, go from like Land's End to John O'Groats? Like it's not the, big enough. But uh, say it was, say England was like yeah, yeah. 10 times the length, but full of English people mm -hmm. and, and Scots and Welsh people. Do you think you would have made it? I don't know, John. I was planning on doing a pre-expedition yeah. type one where I'd do England and then I was too nervous. So yeah, I was like, nah, just get out. Do you like going to fish and chip shops and people telling you to get lost? Yeah. yeah. And um, also, I'm, a, I'm quite a big believer of um, not knowing what you're about to do. Because okay. most of the time, you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then if you start actually doing it in little yeah. tiny portions, you might realise that you don't like it. So okay. when I started cycling out in South America, I realised that I don't actually like cycling that much. Okay. But I was like, but it's yeah. too late, so I better keep going. So was um, that... That expedition, was that sponsored? Did you have people? Uh, I pay, well, thankfully, the reason I, another kind of reason I did it without any money or that idea came to me is because I didn't really have any money. Okay. So I was like, eh, I don't have yeah. any money, but I still want to go, so. So how did you turn your passion into a business that supported you? You, most of the time, you have to have alternative bread and butter work for a long time until you okay. can. Yeah. And then it comes to a point that you go, okay, I think I can take the plunge now, and you do. So people will go in, do an adventure, come back to a job, yeah. then go away and do an adventure, come back to a job. And most of the time up, it's so. quite a flexible job okay. um, that just allows you to, to do both. Yeah. Um, I, I, know, I had enough sort of savings that I could keep myself going for a while. Um, and I got all the kit sponsored, quite a lot of 
publicity for the last cycling one, but I didn't get any money for that. That was so. What all was the last cycling one? That was the the, the South American one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. that was all. I didn't get any money for that. But then you come back after an expedition. And you got the press and you've got all the, the kind of coverage. The public speaking. And then yeah. you earn money through public speaking, post-expedition. Yeah. And then if you're clever enough to write a book after, then you get revenue from that. And you, Have you written a book? Uh, I've written the first five chapters. And then I okay. realised that I don't like writing adult books, which but then is fine. You probably don't like cycling either. So, eh. you know, got to get through it and get to the other end. Go through hell. I'm just waiting oh, for the no. time where I'm, I feel like I'm ready to. Okay. Because when I came back from that expedition, it was a huge scar. I couldn't go into supermarkets for about a month after because I just kept crying. I couldn't. It's so embarrassing going into Sainsbury's yeah. or something, picking up a bag of carrots and bursting into tears. So you'd actually traumatise yourself by that. Yeah. Like, I don't like looking at the, the footage or I can't write yeah. the books. It's just the fear of rejection and the pain was is just sort of too much to visit at the yeah. moment. But I think just as time goes on, I want to revisit it and I'll be ready to, but that time just isn't quite now. Yeah. And you're, I mean, we're sat here, you've got a, a vision wall. Yeah, I'm a little dream wall. How important do you think it is kind of visualising where you're going, where you want to be, your dreams and goals and that kind of thing? I read The Secret when I was, I read The Secret, yeah. the, the book Ronda and the Burn. film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I was 18 okay and I think that had a big part to play the whole visualizing what you want and just yeah. keeping focused on what you want so this is before you traveled anywhere mm, and I have yeah. a bucket list so if I ever okay. own, I have a bucket bucket list of 87 things so okay. if ever I lose my way or I don't know what to do just go and do one of those things I can set my bucket list and there's everything on there from well there was donate blood which obviously I've done now um, to have a perfectly organized wardrobe to yeah. you know ride on a train or so these are kind of to-dos that you can tick off. Mm. So if you kind of lose your motivation, you can just go and choose an easy one. Yeah. And go and give blood, yeah. for example. And then this will say, well, yeah, I can achieve my goals. These yeah. are my goals. And you start off small, build um, up to bigger things. One of them was cycle across a, a country, which obviously I did. Yeah. I did a continent instead. Um, one of them was sail across the Atlantic, which I didn't realise until after I got back home and reconsulted it because yeah. I was like, what do I do now? What do I do now? Tell well, me what to do. There's your kind of law of attraction right there. Isn't mm, it? Yeah. Exactly. And I also find that if you have a list of things that you really want to do, if you show people that list and they're like, well, I can help you achieve that one. I know yeah, okay. someone that can do that. So I'll, um, I'll take you on that little journey. Do you think there's a danger of having these kind of lists of amazing goals and then you go through life, you haven't achieved you haven't ticked anything off and you just lose your kind of like faith a little bit you know it's like oh, I'll never achieve this I guess it's too lofty oh, I, what am I thinking? no I think if that person thinks they're going to live forever and they think there's going to be no end then yeah there may be but everyone has an end coming yeah whether that's at the age of 40 or the age of 100 that end is coming yeah and what you do with that time before it comes is up to you and if people want to waste it with something that they don't care about then I feel sorry for them but there's a whole world out there and so many yeah. things you want to do that um, it. do you think it's um, you have to keep your goals realistic or can they be as sky high as you think That's sky high as you want I think I've got yeah. smaller goals more achievable goals and then bigger goals and you know when I when I was 18 and I left home I went to Greece it's literally yeah. like an hour away and I worked as a cocktail waitress because I was too scared to go any further yeah. but I knew I had to go somewhere so, and so then it's I almost went, like a stepping stone yeah you start off here and then you move on to the next yeah. one a bit bigger this time you just and slowly then... push out those walls yeah. until you know you're in a huge area until you're in a field 
And then, you know, I went to South Africa and I've got family there. So it yeah. was a different continent, but it was with, you know, I was staying with yeah, my aunt. You were still a little bit safe because there's family. And, yeah. yeah. And so then it was like, okay, go to Florida, work with horses with my best friend. And then yeah. it was like, okay, I feel pretty confident here, English speaking. I've got my friend with me. And then someone told me to go to Mexico and I was like, okay. Yeah different language i don't speak spanish i didn't back then because you I kind didn't... of think adventurous these are people who are just fearless yeah they were born that but, way but these are kind of things that i can relate to it's like i, I was out in hong kong recently yeah. and i was kind of thinking well this is new to me it's a different alphabet it's a different language you know i can i can just about get by in any country in europe yeah. but this is completely different yeah and um, but adventurers you just think well it doesn't matter i will get by but you know, these are, I can relate to these kind of yeah, concerns. They're real you know. little stepping yeah. blocks. And it, you know, you don't have to go from a little tiny room to a field. No. It's just ever so slightly becoming more comfortable with extremes. And then obviously I went to Mexico, didn't speak, didn't have a job, didn't know anyone. Yeah. Within three days I had a job and apartment and a load of friends. And it, but it's just having the faith in yourself just to take that little step further yeah and then after mexico i had then have the faith in myself to do the atlantic and then i had the faith in yeah. myself to cycle and now i've got the faith to do this canoeing trip and there's going to be waterfalls and like grade five six rapids that i'm terrified and i'm pretty sure we're going to portage around every single rapid but that's fine or you might start, you know, have a good little, little one, bit, yeah, and then a try a bigger bit. one and then maybe walk around the next one exactly but yeah. it's just sticking within that zone that's slightly outside of your comfort zone so that you just so you keep growing. Yeah, so it's not about taking huge leaps all in one go. It's no. about kind of just growing. Just growing ever so slightly. And you've, you've turned it into a business. It pays. Just about. Just about. Just about. How difficult is... Because, I mean, you could go off and do these things. If money was no ob, you know, obstacle, you could just go out and do it. You wouldn't have to advertise or, you know, you wouldn't have to be on social media. You could just yeah. do it for yourself. How important is it, do you think, to put yourself out there in the public sphere in order to support yourself? And make I it think work? I would probably, even if I had all the money in the world, that I didn't have to try and monetize this career. I'd still want to showcase it yeah. because I want to show people what a human is capable of you know how to yeah. push themselves and hopefully inspire one or two people to take leaps of faith to achieve their dreams um and i don't care if that is own a library or own a coffee shop or yeah. read 100 books it doesn't have to be in the outdoors if they're not comfortable with it it's just achieving and going for those dreams um so i'd still want to publicize it just in hopes that I could inspire someone else to sack in their jobs that they hate. Because you're already an ambassador for a charity, aren't you? Yes. Which uh, charity is that? It's the Children's Air Ambulance. Okay. Um, so you are kind of, you know, using your, I suppose, fame, if you, if you want to call it that, for, um, you know, for good deeds. Yeah, your... and like we raised money on the last cycling one for um, Operation South America, okay. which uh, is sort of a all girls orphanage type thing in, yeah. in Paraguay so I cycled through there and saw the girls that we were raising money for because um, yeah. a lot of Paraguay like Paraguay is quite a very poor yeah. well it's a very underprivileged they have very underprivileged areas yeah um, and a lot of the families don't have enough money to feed their children or they have them um, do you think it's important for you to have a cause that you're kind of working with or for while you're doing these things yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I do because 
because you're not the sense of purpose or sense of purpose and you know if I'm getting publicity or trying to get a bit of publicity for something then it's amazing if I can try and showcase the good that a charity is doing as well just you know just to try and help in any way shape or form and they say one of the um the leading reasons of longevity in people the reason that we're lasting so long is is meaning in life so meaning in life is the most important thing above wealth above health above everything if you have meaning in life you're more likely to live a long life so this is giving you meaning and you're building that meaning by supporting other causes there's with the children's air ambulance yes because having a son i would hate to lose him because of a traffic jam. Yeah. So, like, so obviously they use helicopters to transport children from one hospital to the o- to the other hospital, and it can be four times faster than in a car. Yeah. And like, imagine if you're in your child's in an ambulance and it, they've got a four-hour journey to go, and there's like a huge traffic jam on the M1, and it actually ends up taking eight hours because yeah. cars can't move quite out as fast or anything. Imagine if your child died in yeah, that journey because of traffic because of traffic when yeah. it's so easily prevented and the children's air ambulance don't get any funding whatsoever from the government it's all charity based so it's all donations it's all donations so it's like yeah. i can't bear the thought of if ran got sick and yeah. i didn't support this charity and suddenly this charity can't keep going because they're not getting enough yeah. publicity they're not getting enough donations for him to die for no reason when it could have been prevented would be the worst feeling. So again, this is something you're very passionate about. You yes. think it's very important. Yeah. Um, so you're using your kind of influence to Hopefully, know, yeah. That. And like someone wrote on a, um, a video, you know, that I should go and get a real job and actually help society and yeah. be a doctor or a nurse or something. And I had to write back. I usually don't um, yeah. uh, respond to any of them just because it just gets into an argument and there's no mm. point. Um, but I had to respond and I just said, ask any of my family or friends, if I became a doctor, I'd kill more people than I saved, I promise <laughs> you, because I'm that bad um, with like knowledgey things. And I said, the only, the only way I feel like I can really help yeah. or do anything is just by trying to raise money for charities or trying to help charities in any way. Do you get a lot of criticism when you're you know, mm, exposed to the public? 95 to five, really. It's yeah. like a only one, yeah, like five percent of Doesn't people say you. something negative. No, no, it it always does. Yeah, but you just have to go. That's five percent. That is not yeah. the majority. And if they've got nothing better to do with their time than write mean comments on things, then I feel sorry for them. Yeah, you know, they should absolutely. go out there and lead their life and live their life and, and not worry about go what exploring other and adventuring. Yeah, yeah, making themselves happy rather than trying to make other people sad. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I also I really really when I'm financially much more secure, I really want to buy a property and help to um, reformulate homeless people's lives because you don't know why they're on the streets. You know, you can have someone that's got PTSD that doesn't have the support network around them that doesn't know how to function again. And I really want to sort of invite them into a a property, give them the support, like have a counsellor on hand that, you know, can see them every other day or once a week help them to re-budget their lives, help them get a job back, help them yeah. get back on their feet. And even if it's only sort of three people on a rotor and then one, when one person's set up enough that they can leave, then you invite someone else into this house. But that's my like long-term the goal. The Youth Hostel, uh, no, it's the YMCA. Mm. Um, they recently set up a, 
housing project, very similar to, to that. It was oh, a okay. block of flats um, designed by Richard Rogers' okay. uh, partnership. Uh, so obviously they had big names behind it in terms yeah. of the architects. And the idea was it's an address. Uh, I don't think they had the counselling and that the kind of mental yeah. support, but it's about getting people out of the YMCA hostels, mm -hmm. uh, which are often the homes for homeless people, yeah. give them a, an address. You know, and it's super cheap, super eco-friendly. Mm. The whole thing's been purpose-built, and it's a kind of similar kind yeah. of project to that, which is like, very clever. You can't expect a sort of a homeless someone that's living on the streets that hasn't showered for a month, that has holes in their clothes. Yeah, you can't expect them to go to a job interview and be like, "Hey, employ me. I've got no address and I've not got clean clothes." But <laughs> well, I find it's very it, it's very easy to become institutionalized mm. if you've been in a certain situation for a long time. It's hard to get out of that situation. Yeah. I, I've been in periods where I've been out of work for quite a while, mm -hmm. and a job will come along, uh, maybe a photo shoot, something like that, and I'll actually have to physically go, I, I've got to do this, because inside I'm going, oh God, yeah. do I have to actually change my routine? And I think it's the same, if you've been homeless for a long time, yeah. um, there is a kind of, you know, that inertia to change your situation actually can seem like quite a big a push. Big um, so any help you can get in that direction is yeah. huge. I saw a homeless person in, in London with a sign that said, um, I'm homeless, not hopeless. Yeah, absolutely. Was like, well, that really resonated with me. Yeah. But it's just, you know, you've, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you can put someone else's. So I need to make sure I'm set up yeah. enough and I'm financially stable enough to look after myself and my yeah. family. And then when I'm in that position, then I can really sort of dedicate to to having those less fortunate and trying to help them. Have you heard of things? Sharon Salzberg? No. It's funny because uh, she is one of the people who brought meditation to the West. So she um, started off, she's an American lady, mm -hmm. lives in New York, but she went off to India as a student, I think it was in the 70s, mm -hmm. and traveled around trying to find you know, someone who could teach her meditation. But it's very interesting that you should, she uses that exact same phrase, the you have to put your own oxygen mask on before you can help others. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people see this whole, you know, especially the, the self-development and, um, you know, meditation and looking after yourself. Some people yeah. think it's quite selfish yeah. um, and self-centered, but actually, cool. yeah, I mean, you, you're useless for any, any good if exactly. you don't look after yourself. With like first aid, they always say, you know, it's Dr. ABC, danger, response, and yep. like you've got to go into a situation, assess the danger, and if you think you're going to become a casualty by going into that, you yep. shouldn't go in because one casualty is better than two casualties. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what's next? So kind of moving towards the end of our conversation. Uh, after, the, after the canoeing thousands of miles for a very long time to reach the sea, What's going to be after that? Uh, well, there's another expedition that okay. I quite like the look of. And then after that, there's another expedition that I quite okay. like the look of. So you've got a whole list. This is your bucket list. Then. Yeah, yeah, my little formulated plans. The next one would be okay. a, either a walking one or a dog sledding one. Amazing. I'm very fond of the dog sledding one. Would you so use your own dogs? Oh, no. Maggie and Winston. Winston. Yeah. What, those Newfoundlands that don't yeah. like moving two foot? <laughs> Well, I can imagine they'd be able to pull you. Yeah. Could probably, you could get in your car and they'd pull you along. Yeah, yeah. they're, yeah. they're purpose-built for pulling stuff. Yeah. But they're not purpose-built for, for going long distances. Oh, okay. Like huskies, yeah. they're pullers, they're long distances. And so you fancy that kind of yeah, um, expedition, maybe. And I because I really, really want to see the Aurora. Um, oh, yeah, I've yeah, never seen that. Northern Lights. Yeah. 
Um, so that's kind of my real... Okay, um, a bigger one to cross off. Yes, really want to cross that off. So if I do the dog sledding one, yeah. that road, I would tick off the Northern Lights as well. But you are also writing a children's book, possibly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Where are you going to fit all this in? Uh, well, with everything else that I'm sure you've got. I wrote planned. it about six months ago. Um, but you found an illustrator anyway. Who yeah, she sent her children's book okay. to me, and I was like, "Ooh, I love cool. this." Yeah. Um, so contacted her, and she was like, "I'd love to do it with you." And she's already got all the contacts up in yeah. place and everything. So cool. I, I feel really good about this. So. Um, and will you return to your? book that you're five chapters into about your cycling expedition or possibly you know sometimes possibly. the things that we find the hardest are the things we have to embrace Correct. it's like a muscle isn't it when you go to the gym the exercise you can't really yeah. can't do is the one you need to need to focus on when the time is right it will happen yeah when the time if you is build right, it they will come. you yeah. can feel when the time is right for things yeah absolutely that is not yeah. the time <laughs> but i suppose all of this is about following your instinct isn't it that's yeah. why you're doing this in the first place and you've got to listen to it so mm. brilliant well thank you very much for today for being in those pictures for <laughs> having a conversation with me and it's uh, been my absolute pleasure and it's... i really appreciate you giving up the time so thanks ever so much and good luck on the next expedition thank you very much no problem